I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 106. Hey, you know what? What? You you heard those fucking crickets at the beginning of this episode? <laughs> yes. Because somebody didn't send us in an intro. Ooh, accusatory. I like it. I'm coming in hot today. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but you know who you are. <laughs> If that is in your Patreon tier and you haven't done it, send it in. And if you're like, oh my God, they didn't have an intro. I feel so sorry for them. Join Patreon. (laughs) And if you're like, hey, you know, that's on my tier, but I don't want to hear my voice. Tell us and we'll gift it away because we can do that too. Mm -hmm. Or if you have like a friend who's a creepster and you want to gift it to them, just let us know. Yeah. Or like you're like, you know, I don't want to do it, but like. My kid's cute. They can do it, too. Yeah. Or if you're like, how in the fuck do I do that? Head on over to www.patreon.com. Check it out. Look at the tiers and, you know. Forward slash the APC. What'd I say? You you just forgot it. I don't want you to look at other people's Patreon. Okay. I want you to look at ours. Okay. Try it again. www.patreon.com slash the APC podcast. And uh, check out the tiers. They kind of build on one another. Mm-hmm. Each one has its own thing. <laughs> so good. So good you don't even get to hear about it because I can't think of all the things. Man. Woo. Like an episode, an extra episode, like a fucking week. What with all the F-bombs? I told you, I am coming in hot today. You really are. Okay. Because we just recorded a milk carton mini right before this and it got me lit. It did get you lit. And you would get that milk carton mini and you would hear us debate on it if you are in the Patreon. Just saying. Yeah. You know, you want all that. Head on over there. You know the address, but I'm going to give it to you again. www.patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay. The first one this week is, hey, beautiful ladies. I absolutely adore your podcast. I listen on my way to work. It definitely makes my drive go more quickly. I have two stories to share. One true crime and one paranormal. I mean, just like a fucking episode. You trying to take over our podcast? I mean, I'm, I'm looking for a new host. <gasps> you are high. <laughs> when I was nine, my parents and my grandparents had been out for dinner. We got back to my grandparents' home in late evening. It was a warm summer night, and as I was getting out of the car, someone hollered at me from across the street. It was a girl I knew from swim team. She was 15 and wanted me to come over and hang out with her and her other friend while they babysat. I thought it sounded like fun, but my parents quickly said, no. I was so mad. I remember stomping up the porch steps. When we left to go home, about an hour later, my friend and her friend were gone off the porch and I assumed had disappeared into the house to take care of the kids. The next day, the parents of the children rushed their seven-month-old baby girl up to the police station. Small town, no 911 at the time. She had been swung by her diaper on a chandelier, dropped several times on her head, and four other children were made to perform sex acts on each other. It was absolutely horrific. Both girls were charged with criminal child abuse, sexual abuse, among other things. One of the girls, who I didn't know, was only 12. They both pled guilty and served time. But I'm not sure whatever happened to them. The baby and all of the children survived without any long-term issues. Thank the Lord. 
I, on the other hand, will never forget how close I was to being part of such a nightmare. Oh my gosh. I don't know if your parents had so much emphasis on the word no, but um, I'm sure glad I did. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Now to my paranormal story. My brother-in-law lives in the house he and my husband grew up in. It's over a century old and huge. It was originally a funeral home and a doctor's office. That's convenient. <laughs> I mean, a one-stop shop. I mean, oh, if you're a she doctor. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, that one didn't make it. Eh, maybe we can get him on the casket special. I mean, a two-for-one. <laughs> a twofer. I mean, who needs malpractice insurance when you've got an incinerator? <laughs> one afternoon, I was over visiting, and my nephew was playing with his toys by the stairs. He came running into the kitchen and told us that Frankie wants to come down the stairs to play. My sister and I both look at each other and then at my nephew. We both ask, who? He repeats, Frankie, he wants to come downstairs and play, can he? My sister-in-law told him it was okay, but he has to be nice to everyone. He ran back to the stairs and we followed. He stared at the landing and spoke as if he were talking to Frankie and says, did you hear that, Frankie? You can come downstairs, but you have to be nice to everybody. He played cars for 20 minutes with Frankie, and we just watched and prayed we didn't see Frankie, and that Frankie kept his word. Well, I hope I didn't bore you. Creep it real ladies, Kim. P.S. You can use my name. Um, Kim, that definitely did not fucking no, bore us. Oh, no, my God. Not at all. And Frankie can stay his ass right the fuck upstairs. Oh, gosh. Plus, who wants to be schlepping up and down the stairs? Not me. Not me. Also... Those kids, I mean, in my gut, I want to be like, that 15-year-old knows better. But also, what abuse has that 15-year-old and 12-year-old been exposed to that that is what they did to those children? Yeah. Because there has to be some. Yeah. For them to just be like, let's do this to these kids. And the older one obviously didn't think it was that bad because she wanted you to come over and... She had to have that intent at some point. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, maybe not. Maybe it was like a, I mean, maybe it wasn't her idea. Maybe she wasn't the ringleader. 12-year-old may have been the ringleader. Could have been. I don't know. We. I mean, I don't know. Oh, that hurts my stomach. Just thinking how close you were to that, like being a victim yourself. Yeah, because, I mean, you like to think that you would be like, um, no. But on the other hand, you're a child too, so who knows how you would have reacted. Well, and even if you are like, um, no, there's two of them. Exactly. You know, and then they can gang up on you and say, it was all you. you. Uh, Yeah, do the same to you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Also, are all invisible friends ghosts? (laughs) Um, Well, I think they're usually called imaginary. Imaginary. (laughs) Whatever. Words are hard. I don't think so. I don't think so. But I don't actually know. I don't know either. That's freaky as fuck. It really is. Because I'm going to err on the side that they always a ghost. So if someone's talking to me about someone that I cannot see, i.e. Carrie at the Italian restaurant the other day... (laughs) This girl argued me down that someone was standing behind her. And I'm like, I'm looking straight there and no one was there. She was like, yes, there was. Mm, maybe a ghost that I can't see. But uh, not near a human there. I'm telling you there was somebody there. It wasn't a person. Okay. 
move into the next one. And this one's titled The Woman on the Stairs. Oh, God. More stairs. (laughs) If there's a fucking owl in this story. Oh, shit. I love your sinister sightings, ladies. This is a story my dad told my siblings and cousins when staying at my grandparents' house overnight. This story also takes place in the house that he grew up in and is in the small farming community I mentioned in my last story. The story starts like this. The house my grandparents moved into was built on an apple tree farm. A long time ago, there was a woman in the farming community who had a baby. She was a single woman and she couldn't take care of her baby. And of course, at that time, it was looked down on to be unwed with a child. Feeling the judgment from the townspeople around her, she threw her baby off the wooden bridge leading out of the town into Muddy Creek. When news of this spread, the townspeople gathered and hung her by a tree that was on the apple farm, even when she expressed sorrow and guilt for killing her baby. Flashing forward in time to my dad's childhood. My dad is homesick from school, laying on the couch with a fever and half awake. He calls for his mom to bring him water, and she comes up with the water and a blanket. She sat down and caressed his forehead, gave him a kiss, and covered him up. My dad fell asleep, and when he woke up, he told his mom thank you for the blanket and bringing the water, to which she replied, saying that she didn't do that. My dad never mentioned the woman to his mom and wasn't even scared of whoever she was because she took care of him when he was sick. She was like a mother. So back to the time my dad told all of us this story. It's that she's seen coming down the stairs at night, and if we aren't asleep in one hour after we lay down, she will come over and lay next to you. This scared us all, so we would try to sleep the furthest away from the stairs and by a wall so she couldn't lay down beside us. A few years later, we were all staying the night, and I couldn't fall asleep. I wasn't scared anymore and knew it was just a story. I was looking around the room and from the corner of my eyes, I saw movement on the stairs. I saw a woman standing on the stairs, illuminated by the moonlight that was coming through the windows. I never told anyone what I saw and quickly went to bed. Last year, my brothers and I were talking about this story and I told them I saw her standing on the stairs and every night after I stayed, I saw her standing in that exact same spot. It got quiet and we all moved on to another conversation. A bit later, my brother, still in shock, said he had seen her too. Unfortunately, my family sold the house and we never got to see the woman on the stairs again. The current owner has no children, and I'm sure that she is waiting to care for children again, Bree. Golly, that poor lady. I know, that's so sad. But also so freaking scary. Yeah, that's pretty freaking scary. Oh my gosh, that's so scary. Why are parents like that? Why did they create these boogeymen to freaking scare us? Because let me tell you that I would hurt myself trying to go to sleep because I can't sleep. And so I would be so mad at myself for not being able to sleep, you know? Oh gosh. Like bruise my eyes, like clenching them so tight. Yeah. And it's like, no, this is your fault that I can't sleep. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Because any creak or anything, I'd be like, it's a lady on the stairs. And, like, too, as a parent, I mean, you know, because, you know, I have kids and all. 
not. It's like you don't realize what you're doing to like fuck kids up. Like you're just trying to get them to lay the fuck down. Yes. So that was really loud. But you're just getting them to just lay the fuck down. Leave me alone. Go the fuck to sleep. Yes. And so you're like, the fucking old lady's going to come get you. And then it fuck it sticks with them forever. Yeah. I'm telling you, when my mama would tell me about raw head and bloody bones in Mobile when we stayed there, I swear to God, I like osmosis into her because yes. I was just like, oh my God, he's going to come. Did you put onions out? Like I was so freaking scared and I still think about it as an adult. Well, I haven't been back to that house as an adult. Yeah. But like, I mean, way old enough to not be like that terrified. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I still fucking think about him every time. Like I never use that back door because that's where they would come. Right. Back, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. The next one says, Hey ladies, I'm writing in another story for your sinister sightings. I still haven't made it through all of the episodes yet, but so far you've said you've had more ghostly stories over crime ones. Well, this is a crime story. So move over, spookies. Here comes mama. (laughs) This is the story of Erica Murray and her house of horrors. This story is so crazy and a bit gross, so hang on to your heads. Erica Murray of Blackstone, Massachusetts, is a 35-year-old mom to four children. They were six months old, three years old, 10 years old, and 13 years old. And they all lived together in a house slash environment that was not suitable for children, let alone any living human being or animal. Back in August of 2014, one of Erica's neighbors called the police after seeing firsthand the conditions of the house and was concerned for the safety of the children. The neighbor's son, who was 10, would often go over to the house to play with Erica's son of the same age. The neighbor received a phone call from her son one day saying that the two babies would not stop crying. Well, that was news to the neighbor and others because they had no idea there was one baby, let alone two in the house. In fact, none of Erica's family or friends knew she had any kids at all. The neighbor seemed to be the only one Erica knew who was aware she had at least two kids, the older ones. The neighbor went over after receiving the phone call, and when she stepped foot inside the house, and saw the conditions, she immediately placed the call to police. As she stepped through the door, for the first time ever, she was hit with an overwhelming smell that had her bent over dry heaving. She was gagging with eyes watering from the smell and the condition of the house. It made her immediately sick. As she made her way upstairs, she was able to find the two babies that the 10-year-olds called about. When she found the babies, they were completely covered in human waste. That's when the police arrived. I should state that she only lived a few feet from the Blackstone Police Station. The first police officer to arrive said that he couldn't even get the front door open because there was several feet of trash blocking the front door, hindering him from getting inside. After some effort, he was finally able to get the door open to get inside. Once in, he was immediately disgusted by the smell and noticed the walls were covered in maggots and feces. Oh, God. He made his way up the stairs to find the three-year-old in a room that was completely covered in trash and everything smelled like feces. He then found the six-month-old baby surrounded by a halo of dirty diapers and trash. 
Another officer who responded said that the baby looked like she had been dunked in feces. It was so bad. Oh, my gosh. The first officer who responded said that there were piles of diapers in other parts of the house and that one was a tower that measured over a foot high. The police chief later said that after spending just 15 minutes in the house, all of the officers' uniforms were covered in fleas and other bugs. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm. And that the amount of fleas and maggots and other flying insects in the house and the ones collecting on their clothing, that they were all concerned for their health. A cleanup crew was brought in, but they weren't able to help the situation at all, and the Board of Health determined that due to the state of the house being so bad, it needed to be demolished. It was later demolished in April of 2014. Before the house was demolished, the police went back a second time to do a search, and that's when they found several dead infants. No. Oh, my gosh. Erica had hidden a fetus and two infants inside the bedroom closet of her home. Okay, the next part is pretty graphic, so if you need to skip forward, please skip forward. One baby still had the umbilical cord attached, as well as the placenta. The other babies that were discovered were wearing diapers and clothing, and one had a full head of hair. They also found a dead dog in the house, and would later find numerous dead animal skeletons on the property. No! When investigators talked to Erica, she said that she and her 42-year-old boyfriend were unable to afford the children, and that's why they weren't cared for. She also said that she agrees that the house was no condition for anyone to live in. After talking to the boyfriend when they took the children into custody, he claimed he had no knowledge of the younger children or deceased ones, but yet he was living in the home. More on him later. After the children were taken into custody, they stated the three-year-old couldn't talk or walk, and had maggots in her ears. Okay. Oh, God bless. She and the six-month-old were developmentally delayed and severely starved. Further investigation into the three deceased infants reported that they spent their entire lives on their back, meaning Erica never held or interacted with them. Unfortunately, they were unable to determine how or why the infants died. It's unclear if it's due to their badly decomposed bodies that they were unable to tell. Once in court, Erica had to answer questions about the deceased infants. She acknowledged that one baby was born alive and had died shortly after through no fault of her own. Not because it was neglected, not because it wasn't fed, not because she saw something bad happened. And the other two were stillborn. Nothing bad happened. They just died. Her defense team argued that she was mentally ill and that's why she couldn't do anything about the conditions of her home and that she had nothing to do with the dead infants. The team argued that because the deaths couldn't be determined, that meant there had been no foul play involved. Her main attorney also pushed for a bench trial instead of one with a jury. They didn't want a jury to hear all the bad details about the deaths and the conditions of the home and how she treated her kids. So this means that a judge would be the only one to hear the details of her case and make a judgment. The first responding officers later said during her trial that when DCF, the Department of Children and Families, were taking all of her kids away, she didn't even care. She had no reaction, just a blank stare. In fact, the only thing she seemed to care about being taken away from the house was her cat. She was more concerned about the possibility of the cat being outside 
than the fact that her children were being taken away. Now, let's turn attention back to the baby daddy. During his arraignment, it was revealed that he was indeed the father of all seven children. And further interviews with him stated that he lived in the basement 99%, I guess, of the time, whatever that means, and had no idea the living conditions of the home. He said he kept to himself down there because he was told he wasn't allowed upstairs in the house. He is reported saying, what am I to do? I can't punch my way through the walls. I can't push my way through her when she's standing there. I can't walk through her. Uh, What did he do with himself while he was down there, you ask? Well, he was cultivating a little weed farm he was planning on selling from home later. He was arrested on drug-related charges and later charged with child abuse in addition to animal cruelty. During his trial, it was reported that he decided to come clean about knowing about the three-year-old, but had said Erica told him she was just babysitting, yet the child lived in the house. How did he not know she was ever pregnant in all of these Right. Like, come on, boy. And you lived in the basement and you didn't hear kids running around upstairs? Crying, all the things, come on. In September of 2014, Erica was originally arraigned on charges of child endangerment. Two days later, she was additionally charged with fetal death concealment out of wedlock, two counts of permitting substantial injury to a child, witness intimidation, and animal cruelty. Out of wedlock? Excuse me? I'm sorry. The fuck? (laughs) Why is that going to be What the fuck does that have to do with absolutely any fucking thing? Like, what? (laughs) I love how they just throw in the animal cruelty, too. Like, Mm -hmm. out of all that, I get that... Oh, they better be charged with animal cruelty. Uh, yes, yes. But it's like, of all the things, everybody like everybody's going to be like, <gasps> the dead animals. You know, it's like yeah, the poor kids. But like, oh my God, the dead animals. Uh, yes, that's basically what I'm saying. Oh, I know. I heard you. <laughs> I mean, very sad about the kids, but those poor animals. Yeah, you know, not the four. Okay. I said very sad about them, but those yeah, poor yeah, yeah. animals. In December 2014, the Worcester District Attorney's Office announced Erica was indicted on nine charges, including two counts of murder. She was also indicted on two counts of assault and battery on a child causing substantial bodily injury, two counts of reckless endangerment of a child, two counts of cruelty to animals, and one count of concealing a fetal death. The case was then brought to the Worcester Superior Court. Fast forward to July 2019. Erica is officially sentenced to... Six to eight years in prison for her involvement Are in you the house kidding me? of horrors. Are you fucking kidding me? She should be released very soon because the judge has considered her time served since her arrest in 2014. Oh my goodness gracious. Her boyfriend slash baby daddy was sentenced in October of 2019, to four and a half years and one day in prison with credit for time served since December of 2014 on one count of assault and battery on a child with substantial injury and two and a half years in the Worcester County House of Correction with credit for 136 days served on two counts of reckless endangerment on a child and three years probation for animal cruelty and possession of marijuana. That's so fucking asinine that his is only like two years less than her smallest sentence. Like, you know what I mean? Not saying that he wasn't as... Hold on. 
<sighs> One count of assault and battery on a child with substantial injury was dismissed. He is also allowed to have supervised visits with the children based on the details of his probation. Are you kidding me? Well, I think I covered everything. There's so many layers to the story that I hope I haven't traumatized anyone too badly. Sorry for being a long one, but there was just so much. Thanks for reading my stories. Creep it real. Oh, crrr, Mike. Oh my God, you got him again. What in the actual fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck? You really are hot today. <laughs> I'm sweating. <laughs> well, you're drinking coffee. And you have shoes on. I don't have shoes on. And you have socks on. Well, I always have socks on. That's my standard. I know. With sandals, y'all. I mean, (laughs) they're my house shoes. Mm, But still. Mm. (laughs) I I can't get over, like, they both deserve life in prison. Yes. This is everything that is fucking wrong with our judicial system. Yes. I really thought he was going to have more for the fucking for the marijuana. Yes. Me too. I was like, if he gets more for this fucking pot than these children or more for the animal cruelty than the fucking kids. Yeah. But that she got six to eight years. Also, the fact that, look, here's the thing. I get, well, I don't get because I don't have this level of mental illness. I can get from a logical perspective, the mental illness that goes into this type of environment. And I can understand the hoarder aspect and, and and all of that. I do, again, from a logical-ish aspect, get that. My logic goes out the window with the uh, the M word on the wall. I can, and in her ear, in the kid's ear. But to, but to a degree, I can understand the toxicity of their codependency and their relationship where they could do this together. You know, they can live in this filth together. But you have you have kids who are developmentally delayed, who are malnourished, who have been abused through neglect, who have been neglected. Let's just call it that, even though that's abuse, but whatever. You have infants who have died due to neglect, due to lack of medical care, whether it be from a home birth that she didn't seek medical care because anybody else would be going to fucking jail for that. A fucking doula could go to jail for that, for not Mm -hmm. seeking medical care at the right time for someone. So her negligence caused the death of three infants. Even if it was some form of a stillbirth, she didn't have the medical care that she needed in in the birthing process. So mm-hmm. you didn't you didn't do your due diligence. Okay, so let's say it came quickly. You didn't call 911 for help. You didn't have a midwife. You didn't have a doula for a home birth. You didn't have something in place for something at home. You weren't go you weren't on your way to the hospital and you had the kid and it was a stillborn. There there was nothing. You did not do your fucking due diligence and it was still cuz that cuz yes, that happens and that is not the woman's fault. Right. That she had a stillborn. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is she did not seek medical care. So there's no way of knowing was that child born could have been a healthy baby. And because she didn't seek medical care, it died. Or what came first, the chicken or the egg? We don't fucking know. Right. 
And then for one of the babies to have a full fucking head of hair and all of that. I mean, how old was the fucking baby? Three babies dying in someone's care? Right. That's a pattern. Mm-hmm. Well, with those conditions, how did the 10-year-old go to school? And no red flags? Yeah. Or did they not go to school? I, I don't know. Well, and how did this... So, their neighbors, I guess. So, that how they meet and how was the... I mean, how did that kid never come home and go, man... Mom, it's different over there. Or, you know, just in conversation, what's it like over there? I mean. Or have fleas. Like the other people, like the cops and stuff had mm-hmm. fleas, you know? And other. Oh, God. Okay. 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 Too much. My head's literally itching right now. Mm. Well, that was a really good story, Mike. Really I mean, it was, was really terrible. Terrible. Terrible fucking story. And I could talk for hours analyzing it. But it was a very thought-provoking story. Mm-hmm. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. I never heard of their case. I mean, I could have gone a lifetime without it, but I'm very glad you shared it. Whew. Like, in the best possible way. Yeah. Okay, this one is called Ghost on the Freeway and Other Things I've Experienced. Hello, my beautiful creepster friends. Seriously, feel like I know you all now. I'm a fairly new listener trying to make my way and catch up. I think as of now, I'm on episode 50-something. My son and I, he's 11, found your podcast from a referral from another show that we enjoy listening to, and once we started listening, we were totally hooked. Sometimes we listen together, but sometimes he listens to y'all in his bedroom when he's playing Fortnite or another game. Now, that aside, let me get to my stories. I'll start with my most recent one. Carrie saying fuckity fuck, 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 fuck when an 11-year-old listens to us. <laughs> okay, sorry. I just had to say that. <laughs> uh, yeah. About that. And I've been dropping a lot today. <laughs> um, sorry for your friends on Fortnite if you don't have your mic muted. <laughs> oh, God. No, sorry for your friends on Fortnite, just period. Because when Colby's, in, when Colby's playing Fortnite, you know, in the living room, his friends can hear us back here recording. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. This past weekend, Labor Day weekend, my dog wasn't acting quite right. Oh, and hey, Marley. Like, she wouldn't walk and, well, being good at overreacting. With the help of Google, because you know how even though you know you should never Google symptoms, you can't. At least I can't help myself. We're right there with you. I was convinced, basically, that she was paralyzed and dying. Overdramatic much? That's what she says. She's a 90-plus pound black lab named Lucy. She was fine, luckily. They think she might have had a torn muscle or something causing the issue. Honestly, I was really glad that it wasn't anything major. She's barely three years old and has tons of life ahead of her, and it was well worth the five and a half hours that we were at the pet ER. Thank you, COVID, for limited availability and it, of course, being a holiday weekend. So that being said, around 1.30 a.m. that night, being Sunday slash Monday, we were finally finished and ready to head home. Sorry I'm dragging this out. Doubt this helps, but I'm trying to lay out this scenario. We chose to go to the pet ER that's on the other side of the valley from where we live because they've helped us through the loss of another dog a few years back. And even though they weren't the closest, we knew that they would be okay. 
Where we were was about 30 minutes with no traffic from where we live. If there was traffic or a normal day, it would probably be around 40, 45 minute drive. So Lucy and I left the hospital. My son luckily was invited to sleep over at a friend, so he wasn't with us. So we started our trek home. We got on the freeway and started our little journey, just relieved that everything was okay. There weren't many cars on the road with us. I'm sure it being that time of the night or morning, however you want to call it, was a factor. Also that it was a holiday weekend. There was a truck that was in front of me and a car that was in the near distance behind me. Since I knew I had a long drive, I'm like, perfect. I can listen to the girls without interruption. Sweet. So I was enjoying our little drive with basically no one else on the freeway and we had just passed the interchange where you can connect with another freeway and had driven about nine blocks. So let me set up what happened next. There were no cars on the side of the freeway broken down or anything, though we did right before the interchange there was a freeway entrance that had a makeshift shrine honoring someone who had passed in an accident there. It didn't really catch my eye. I just noticed it sitting there. So we continued down the road to where we are now and my headlights happened to hit on a figure that I could see on the side of the highway walking down the freeway. It was a young girl, I would say probably in her teens, and it was just so odd she stood out. Her look reminded me of when I was in junior high, very early 90s, And then the fact that she didn't even turn around, which I think you would, or at least look to your side when walking down the highway at that time of night. It was just so odd. I talked to my friend in the morning describing the scenario and the situation, and she was like, it sounds like you saw a ghost. I had thought this as well, but knowing someone else felt the same made me feel much less crazy. My next story. I know this is getting long and I'm sorry, but my son, for some reason, has really been wanting me to email you guys and tell this story. And well, since I had that situation that happened this weekend, I thought, okay, well, here we go. Hopefully I don't look silly or stupid. When I was 15 years old, we would go swimming often that summer. Well, apparently I was swimming so much I contracted swimmer's ear. Worst kind of ear infection ever. Sure is. I was sick for about four to five days, and I was having a really hard time sleeping at night, but I was able to sleep during the day. I don't know why it would hurt so much more at night and in the evening than the day, even though I was taking antibiotics and Advil Tylenol. This is just me, commentary, but that's how it always is when I'm sick. It's worse in the very like early morning and late night. Mm-hmm. And that's what sucks because, like, you are like, oh, I can't go to school. But then, like, by mid-morning, you're like, I'm okay, you know. But, like, so then your mom's like, really? Well, my mom didn't care. But, you know, like, you can't do anything and you're bored because you feel good and you can't do anything. And then that night it's like, oh, I don't feel good. Anyone else? Mm Mm-hmm. But anyway, seeing that I was older, I was responsible for getting my own medication for myself, and I was walking into the kitchen where the meds were stored to get into the cabinet. We used to keep our meds in the kitchen, too. Us, too. Next to the oven, which is dumb, because it <laughs> makes you, like, it messes them up. Like, they get hot. Mm, yeah. Didn't think about that. It was really late in the night, maybe 2 to 3 a.m., I'm guessing. Next to the kitchen was a second family room that had a sliding glass door that had blinds. They were closed, same with the window that was next to that area. So I started getting my meds and drink together so I could take them and go back to watching my movie. 
This was during the time of Blockbuster, so my mom had rented me a movie, so I would have something to help take my mind off of my ear. Well, out of the corner of my eye, I started to see something really bright, like some kind of light. I had brought a flashlight into the kitchen with me to help me find what I was looking for and wouldn't disrupt anyone or scare my parents. Well, at this point, the flashlight's off. I only needed it to see what type of meds and make sure I grabbed the right stuff. Well, I happened to look over, and there in the living room area was a woman standing there. She was kind of white and sheer, just standing there at the top of the stairs, which led to the basement. She was wearing a dress and kind of floating there. After this, I was like, okay. I took my meds, walked back into my bedroom thinking I must be hallucinating to see something quite like that woman. Yeah, uh, what kind of antibiotics are these? (laughs) I have thought about her and that night many times after the fact. I think I was too young to truly appreciate who she was. I will trouble you ladies with one more story so I don't take up too much time with my stories that aren't nearly as cool as other people's. But my grandfather passed away in January of 2016. My son was about three and a half at the time, and he knew my grandpa and really loved him. After he passed, we had the viewing and services. Well, the first night of the viewing, we had gotten there early so we could have the special family viewing time before people started coming through. At the mortuary, and as we were pulling in, It was quiet. I had to turn down the radio because, you know, apparently that helps you concentrate better to find a parking spot. 100. Mm Mm-hmm. And I could hear my son talking to someone. What I could hear was, okay, I will. Yes. And then I love you too. And as we parked, I asked my son who he had been talking to. He said my grandpa H was here and he came to tell me goodbye and that he loved me a lot and to be a good boy. Aww. It made me tear up. In fact, it still does talking about it. To him, it seemed like a completely normal thing. I thought it was the sweetest thing that he could do and really helped him to understand and accept the fact that he was gone. Oh, before I let you go, I should tell you that the house I grew up in, where I saw the lady, was built originally in the 1850s to 1860s-ish. It was built to be the home of a polygamist wife, with the main floor being on the other side of us and another wife's on the other side. So you get the idea. It was a very unique home. My parents have remodeled it and added many aspects of the house since they bought it 40 years ago. It's a kind of house where you always feel like you're being watched, that there's someone that you can't see. I remember being young and I could hear footprints and feel eyeballs on my back, thinking that it was my mom coming to check on me. I would turn around, or if I was facing that way, I would slowly open my eyes and no one would be there. Even as an adult, when I'm house-sitting for my parents, I will not go downstairs in their basement. And I feel like I have to get out because I just feel like I'm still being watched and feel like I sometimes can't get out of there fast enough. I'm going to leave it with that, and I'm sure I have more stories that I can fill you in later. Donna, I'm so happy to hear you back and doing well. When I saw that news, my heart was scared, hoping that you would be okay because you're already feeling like I've known you forever. You and Carrie are my good friends. I hope this reaches you in good spirits. Take care, Corey and Kobe. Uh, your stories were not boring. No, absolutely not. Um, and uh, sorry about all the F-bombs, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> do as we say, not as we do. Right. Oh, wait. Don't do as we say, because oh, I yeah. said F-bombs. Wait, 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 wait. 
be cool, man. Don't be all uncool. That's from Real Housewives. You don't remember that? Nope. Nope. Okay. nope. Luann said that one day when she was like really hungover. She was I like, don't watch that one. Be cool, man. Don't be all uncool. <laughs> it's one of my favorite parts. It's like a classic thing. Anyway. Those were great stories, but they were creepy. Right. And um, that's an old ass fucking house. Sorry. That's an old ass house. <laughs> If there wasn't something in that house, I would be like, wait, what? Right? Yeah. And that's so funny that it was built for a polygamist. Like, Right. I know. Polygamy like, is so fascinating to me. Also, though, riddle me this. Why is polygamy still illegal? Here's what I'm thinking. Okay. I understand maybe why it started out illegal. Like, okay, we don't want someone to commit fraud. We don't want them to have separate lives in a bunch of different places so let's just make that fraud like let's not call that polygamy in the sense of being married to multiple people let's call that you're being fraudulent Mm -hmm. in what you're doing Mm -hmm. right you're like living this lie where people are getting like they're losing money and you know so it's more like the monetary shit right yeah but i mean if people are allowed to live like polyamory lives there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to be polygamists because they're essentially living a polyamory life. They're just saying like, but I want to reap the legal benefits of being married to multiple people. Like I want to be legally bound to them. Yeah. Sorry. I was just trying to think of like taxes. Yeah. Taxes, all that. That's beyond my brain. I don't even understand yeah, that, but I'm just like, saying like, yeah, I don't, under, I'm, I'm just saying like, how can you say like, that's illegal? Because technically, for some of them, you're saying their religion is illegal. Now, I'm not saying Warren Jeff's polygamy, where you're marrying like 12 year olds. I'm saying, like, if you want to be fucking Cody Brown and you want to have three sister wives, four sister wives, go the fuck ahead. Why is it my business? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because I'm still brainwashed to the Warren Jeffs. No, I'm still brainwashed to marriage is two people. But you would be okay if someone wanted to live a polyamorous life. Yes, but that's not marriage. But why couldn't they be married? You know what I mean? I know, but that's what I'm saying. I'm still brainwashed to that's two people. But why? Which I, that's like a like a general. Like I'm not asking you for an answer. It's like I a, was like, are we going to really go around this? No, 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 no. But I'm saying like, but why? I mean, what? where do you have the cutoff at, though? Why is there a cutoff? Who says there has to be one? So you're just saying Warren Jeffs is bad. I mean, he's bad for a lot of reasons, but because of the child stuff. Yeah. So if they were all 18 and over. If everybody's a consenting adult, who the fuck cares? Like over 40 people and stuff? It's none of your business. I just don't understand le- like the legal yeah the, thing. the the like tax again like all of that I don't that's beyond my scope I'm just saying like conceptually yeah conceptually yeah I I just keep thinking like yeah in the way of like no more than four that okay 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 but then it's like when you think forty people like how does that how do you do that like just I, I don't know not like ooh love but the legal way of... Yeah, and I also don't think like, oh, I have 40 wives, but yet none of you can sustain an existence. That's not fair either. You know, but I'm just saying like, why does our legal system get to decide who you marry? 
No, I get that. On the flip side, like bigamy is fraudulent. Like that's like, okay, I'm married to this person and I'm going through with this marriage to someone else that knows nothing of this other. You know what I mean? It's like a fraudulent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know about each other. Yeah. I'm living this double life and it's like causing all this pain and hurt. Yeah. You know? Which is why in some states people can still sue for um what's it called? Alienation of of affection. Mm-hmm. But I don't think like, oh, he did me wrong. It's like, oh, he cheated on me. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, okay, so our marital assets, instead of being split 50-50, have now been going to this person that I didn't know about because he created a family on the side. Give me my money. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about for, like, a fraudulent marriage. Yeah. Then, yes, we need to be handling these people who are doing these fraudulent mm-hmm. bigamy like, marriages. Like Scoop Daniels. Yes. Because they're they're con artists. Mm-hmm. It's it's a bigger issue. Okay, the next one says, "Hello, my fellow creepers. I have been itching to tell y'all my experiences with the paranormal. I've been listening to y'all's podcast for almost a year, and I light up with excitement when y'all update. So I have always been sensitive to energies, good and bad. So usually I could tell if something's in the same room as me." I'm just 16, so sadly, I live with my parents, sister, and grandma. I share a room with my sister, and boy, do the spirits in our room seem to hate us. One night, I'd been having trouble sleeping. I just couldn't sleep. Then, I heard a slight knock on the door. And trust me, my bed is next to the door, so I know what I heard. I have a rule for stuff like this. If it happens once, it's just probably my mind playing tricks. If it happens a second time, then something is fishy. If it happens a third time, then someone or something is trying to tell me something. I always ask them if I did anything to wrong them, and they never reply, just more creepy stuff. I would tell my sister this, and she would always have a new story to tell. It wasn't the exact thing happening to her, but she still felt the presence of something. Once, when my sister was scared to sleep by herself, she was sleeping with me on my bed, and I would check if anything was strange on hers. Later that night, while my sister was passed out cold, she can literally sleep through anything. I looked behind her, since I was on the back of the bed, and the bed was to the wall. I swear this was the creepiest thing I have ever saw in this house. Someone was standing in front of my cabinet. It was tall and black. I never saw any features on its body or face. Then I did what any normal person does, turn back around, face the wall, and go back to sleep. After that, my sister keeps on complaining that she sees black things crawling on the ceiling and in the corner of her eye. For now, I haven't seen that thing again, and the spirits are fairly okay, except they all seem like they hate me. I want to tell y'all so many stories, so please tell me y'all like this one. I hope it wasn't too long. Hopefully y'all get this soon. Anyways, I love y'all so much, and I can't wait for the next update. Creep it real, and don't get scared. Hopefully I wrote that right, Ellie. Aw, Ellie. I loved it. Um, yes, you did so great. Yes. Send it in. 
Also, if I had spirits in my room when I, I was die. 16, well, now, now too, they would hate me. But definitely when I was 16, definitely when I was a kid, they, they would, would be like, like <laughs> 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 this. They would be like, oh, fuck, she has someone over again. Because me and Tiffany are loud as fuck. And also, they'd be like, how'd they learn to play with these Barbies like that? Who, where are the parents at? When you were 16. I meant, and I said as a kid. Sorry. When you were 16, they'd be like, fuck, that bitch is back over here again. Carrie, God, she always wants to take a nap. Probably. God, they're arguing about where they're going to eat again. (laughs) (laughs) Dawson's Creek again. Oh, my God. Carrie's going outside to smoke again. (laughs) (laughs) God, I talk to myself so many times and just like... The most annoying thing, you know what I mean? Like when you're by yourself and you're like, God, Donna's cleaning her room and finding money in these random spots again. <laughs> Literally every time this bitch cleans her room, she's like, oh, here's a, here's $40. And a stuffed animal that's behind, like it had Velcro and everything. Look, I told you I'm always paranoid, okay? <laughs> She'll find money like that now. Not now. Mm-mm. She uh, knows where all her money is. Torrid. And Shein. Shein. And Amazon. And Hot Topic. And Target. Okay, too much, too much. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously, they would hate me. They would be like, please let us haunt somewhere else. Let us haunt Carrie's house because she sleeps. No, don't come over. Like, picture um, Christina Aguilera and don't do that. (laughs) I gotcha. Also, though, if I really heard something, I would, I don't know what I would do. Because I am that person that just laying with my back to an open room, I can't really do that. Like, because I think about it like, oh, my God, what if someone is standing behind me right now? And I don't know because I'm facing the wall. And so then I'm like, blah, 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 like turning over because I got to do that. And then I'm like, but if it's spirit, it could be literally like, does it matter? Well, you know what I mean? Like it could be right between me and the wall. Doesn't matter. And so then it's just like, Donna, go the fuck to bed. Because then things start looking like an actual person. And it's just a fucking mess on the floor. Mm-mm. So if I actually heard something, I I don't know what I would do. I'd call Carrie crying. Okay, this one is Miss Donna. Your bedazzled boo was here. Oh, shit. Hey, girls. It's Willow again. Back with another story for y'all. I love you guys. I'm addicted to the show and pretty much listening to you guys keeps my mind off of wanting to smack the kids at my job. The mouths on some of these kids these days in front of adults. Ooh, wee, my ass would have been cutting a switch if my elders heard me talk that way. Okay, enough of the tangent. This is more of a Donna story tonight. So back in the day, I was young and stupid and I got married. Dumb. Anyway. He told me this story, and it always stuck with me. We lived in Casa Grande, Arizona, and that's the home of the famous Domes. So, Miss Donna, your bedazzled boo-boo Bagans actually came out here to investigate the Domes and apparently needed to change his britches before he left. Bullshit. Originally, the Domes were thought up for a semiconductor company. If I remember right, there were, I think, four concrete domes that were covered in a dense yellow styrofoam. One was a really big one in the far back that was scary as fuck. The first time I went out there, there was a giant pentagram painted in red at the opening. 
This one went about the size of a football field. This is the one that Aaron was terrified in and heard the demonic chanting. This place was long reported to be the party place and also reported to hold satanic rituals, sacrifices, etc. Gave an all-around get-the-fuck-out-of-here kind of vibe. One of the domes pretty much is known as the Flying Saucer. The diameter is about 50 feet and maybe 8 feet high. Well, one day, fuck nut, what I call my ex-husband, so for his anonymity, we'll just keep it at that for here. Anyway, in high school, Fucknut was working at McDonald's, and after work, they all had this brilliant idea to go to the domes and have a discussion with Jose Cuervo, and bring along his friends, Jack, and some old Mickey beers, since, you know, it's hot and they might get thirsty. Whatever. There's about six of them, and they decide to climb up onto the flying saucer and sit head-to-head, passing the drinks around in a circle. They're just talking about bullshit and drinking more and more. That's when the cult rolls in. They are scared as fuck as carloads of hooded adults pull up and surround the area. They could hear goats crying and people chanting in the big one in the back. There's a big bonfire lit and it's looking to Fucknut and his friends that shit's about to get real. Well, by this time, Fucknut and his friends are absolutely wasted. And what happens when you start to drink? Your imagination starts getting to you. As well as gravity. The chanting's getting louder and louder and everyone's panicking up on the top of this flying saucer. And then it happens. Slowly, the little drunk badasses are freaking themselves out so bad that they start to literally pass out. And when they pass out, they have no muscle control to keep them from sliding off the building. So my poor ex was freaking the fuck out, believing that the cult members were catching and pulling his friends down to sacrifice them to the devil. Oh my God. The kids were kind of waking up and moaning when they hit the ground and Fucknut was not able to look to see what was going on. He just knew that the devil worshippers had killed his friends and he wasn't going to be next. He stayed up there till daybreak trying to figure out what to do. He got down and saw that everyone was gone, including their cars. What the fuck? Well, apparently it wasn't a cult. It was just a bunch of dumbass hit kids acting a fool. They had come back to the front of the domes to leave when they noticed Fucknut's group of friends' cars and soon found a bunch of drunk-ass brats down around the base. Fucknut had come with a friend, so his car wasn't out there, so they didn't know to look. Well, it's a pretty small town, so everyone knew who each other were. The hicks from group number two scooped up the brats from group number one, dug around, found their keys, and drove each of them home, just leaving them in their cars and the keys on the floorboard. Fucknut had to walk about five miles to get to town so he could call someone to pick him up, and that was the last time he drank tequila, ever. Damn. Like I said, Zach and the boys were here, I believe in season 12, and since then, the roof in the back has collapsed completely. I hope you liked the story. I only went out there once and that was enough. Got more stories to tell you. Keep on creeping on, Willow. I can just picture him being like, oh my God, they're dying. They're dying. (laughs) How drunk do you have to be? (laughs) No. I mean, pretty fucking drunk. Yes. Oh my God. I mean, pretty fucking drunk. Yeah, it was a Hunger Games out there for him. And he was like, I'm going to die up here on this flying saucer. And then he said, not today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
damn. I mean, it just uh, shows you perception's reality, I guess, though, you know? Yeah. I mean, he thought he and his friends were dying. Yeah. Well, and also because it's like, oh, we hear people below us. It's a cult because people back here, you know, come and do cult stuff. Jeez. You know what I mean? Yes. And so automatically, and then from from that, and then being even more drunk. Oh, gosh. The next one is My Family's Haunted Restaurant. Hey, ladies. First off, this is going to be a long one, so grab your popcorn and candy and get ready. Well, okay, Kayla, you acting like you know us or something. Donna's getting the popcorn, I'm getting the candy. Mm-hmm. Reese's Pieces if we're going to the movie Ew. theater. Or Milk Duds. Ew. This, I get those things because she didn't like them, so I don't have to share. And I still have to share my popcorn. I mean, you get the large, okay? It's 25 cents extra. That's it. There's only so many Milk Duds and Reese's Pieces. And I hate them all. And I just said pieces. <laughs> and that's not what they're called. <laughs> okay. My name is Kayla. You can keep it in. And the women in my family are known to be sensitive to the paranormal, myself included. I always listen to a ton of paranormal and true crime podcasts. Let's not meet. Let's read. Y'all. And each time the narrator asks for personal stories, I get a little nervous about submitting my own. But you ladies make me feel comfortable typing this out to send in. Oh. I love that. Yes. Also, I just finished episode 34, Sanitize That Table, where you talk about the haunted bed and breakfast in Guthrie, Oklahoma, and I thought you would like to hear another story about Oklahoma. So, to start out, my great-grandparents owned a restaurant in Medicine Park, Oklahoma, called The Old Plantation. They bought it in the 1960s, and it stayed in the family until my great-grandmother's passing in the 2000s. My great-grandmother was famous for three things, her kindness, her dinner rolls, and her tales of the history of the restaurant. It is said that if you came to eat there, you could almost count on grandma to serve you rolls and fill your ears with tales of outlaws, brothels, and murder, allegedly. Sign me up. Carbs and stories? Hell yeah. You almost said cuck. Well. You're always looking for a mouthful. I mean, you're not wrong. Sorry, Grandma. Okay, (laughs) tangent time. Beyond dates, a lot of this is speculation, and I'm not sure if it could be proven, so take it with a grain of salt. But I would like to believe it all to be real. The town was founded in 1908 by Senator Elmer Thomas, and what would become the old plantation was built in 1910. During the Roaring Twenties, the town boomed and housed visitors from all over the country. It is said that Bonnie and Clyde, Pretty Boy Floyd, and even Al Capone visited. During Prohibition, there was a whiskey still in the basement with a gambling room and dance hall on the first floor, a brothel on the second floor, and adult movies were shown on the third floor. There is also speculation that there were tunnels connecting the basement to the nearby army base, and they were forcibly sealed up by federal agents later on. Let's set up the layout of it from my childhood. When you enter the first floor, there were claw games and one of those little horses where you pay the quarter to ride on it for a minute or so. So, still some gambling. Claw hand. That is the most... Frustrating. Mm. Infuriating. Mm -hmm. But that's the most... Unwinnable. uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was going to say, the the house wins. (laughs) Yes. The house wins. I don't think I've ever... In my in my life, maybe one time, but I don't think I've ever in my life won one of those. 
Oh, I've definitely, well, I've spent a lot of fucking money to get a 25 cent thing. But me and my cousin would go with his mom to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and she would just give us money. But he was really good at it. Like, really good. I would just pick what I wanted and I don't know what kind of nimble fingers he had to, (laughs) like, like to the left, to the left, to the right and click it. And I'd be like, whoop. Because I could not do it. My depth perception is all wrong. Yes. To your right is the dining area with the bar along the far wall. To the left of the bar is an additional dining area with the sitting area where grandma would sit when she was relaxing. Back at the entrance, if you go to the left there was my dad's jewelry shop and then the stairs to the second floor. The second floor consisted of a long hallway with many rooms. At one end, there was a mirror, and at the other end was the back door leading outside. I hated that damn mirror. Beside the entrance to the second floor, there were stairs up to the third floor, which my family only used for storage. I will explain why in a bit. Yes, yeah, where they kept their movies. <laughs> okay, with that out of the way... It was a family business, so both of my parents worked there in my early childhood. Because of this, some of my first memories involved the restaurant. To be frank, growing up in the old plantation was fucking terrifying. I don't personally remember seeing anything, but I felt the entities constantly. I would try to stay the night, and I had to cross the hallway to go to the bathroom and nearly peed myself from fear each time because it felt like something was going to be in the hallway waiting to grab me. Walking down this damn hallway was horrible, regardless of what time of day it was, because you had to walk by all of these closed doors that could be hiding any entity waiting to get you. If I was walking towards the mirror, I refused to look in it because I sensed something was behind me and I didn't want to see it. While I don't remember seeing anything, my brother and nephew do. They both have told me that they constantly saw a girl without eyes on the second floor. Mm -mm. No, no, no. They brushed it off and said she was okay as long as you didn't talk to her. I would have died of a damn heart attack if I saw this girl because I am a scaredy cat. The rest of the family did see things as well. We called her Aunt Sarah and she lived on the third floor and my family told us that we shouldn't go up there so we didn't bother her. Being a young child, I took this literally and thought there was a person living up there. One day I went up there with my grandfather and it was full of boxes and stuff and it felt menacing and dangerous, but I thought nothing of it because it was Aunt Sarah's room, right? Well, I asked my mom about this recently and she told me that Aunt Sarah is what we called the ghost that inhabited the third floor and we called her that so the children wouldn't be afraid of her. Anyways, like I said earlier, the restaurant was in my family until the passing of my great-grandmother in the 2000s. It was sold to an investor that owned another restaurant up the road. At the time, the old plantation had been closed for a few years and needed extensive renovations before it could reopen. Throughout the renovation process, the workers kept reporting seeing the young girl on the second floor. There were even a few times the workers called the police because they truly believed there was a little girl up there. Once the renovations were done, the restaurant was reopened and the workers have reported things ever since. One of the most common stories is of the poltergeist at the bar. There have been cups moving on their own, glasses falling on the floor in front of multiple people, and multiple objects moving on video at night after closing. There have been some local ghost hunting groups that have caught EVPs and pictures of entities 
I have also found stories posted on different forums detailing encounters with the entities haunting it. My family and I agree that the renovations must have woken up some dormant entities because it seems they are more active than when I was younger. I'm in my 20s now and have been back to the restaurant a few times, and each time I feel something is off. During one of my visits, I went upstairs to the second floor with my family, and it felt unnaturally dark and just as creepy as when I was a kid. I personally think there are entities other than Aunt Sarah on the third floor because it feels 10 times darker than the second floor. I refuse to go up there to this day. So that's the story of my family's haunted restaurant. I'll be sending y'all the story about the entity at my dad's house that hated me and all of the horrible experiences I had there growing up. Until then, love y'all and creep it real. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. Well, and I'm thinking if it's darker there, the new owners might have tried to like have a group come in and do something or whatever. And like, what if those people didn't know any better or just didn't care, like had a Ouija board or did something, you know, to like communicate with the spirits, but then actually opened a portal or. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Made it worse. I hope not. Oh, gosh. I feel like that was on a portal to hell that that happened. So that's probably why I'm thinking about that. But, oh, my gosh. That hallway sounds terrifying. Terrifying. I would never in a billion, million, trillion years look in that mirror. Unless they would pay off her student loans. Okay, then yeah. <laughs> you gotta ask me twice. <laughs> Not no way, not no. Oh, never mind. Yes. Mm-hmm. Student loans paid off. Yes. Where do I sign? <laughs> wow. Well, I can't wait to hear about your dad's house. Yeah, that sounds fucking terrifying, too. Ugh. But also, um, can you send me some of your grandma's rolls? All right. The last one. A floating face in the fort dungeon? Question mark. Hello, Donna and Carrie. Do you remember that Seinfeld episode? Hello. I thought that was from uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Hello. That's hers, but I mean, I can't, you know, I'm not great at impressions, but. Also, when in the history of anything have you ever watched Seinfeld? I've watched like four episodes and this is my favorite. There's two things. One, because Jerry Seinfeld is me because he, he does this hello greeting and it's so annoying. It's like, hello. Like, I mean, God, that sounded just like. You doing doubt power now? But anyway, but everyone's like, don't do it. And he's like, I can't help it. Like, I have to. Is that not me? 100. Yes. But then also there's another one where Jerry's doing stand-up and Kramer is dying laughing and like no one else is because he's just bombing. But I'm like, that's me and Carrie. We there. We ride or die. Oh, does Jerry call you at home too? Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. I was like, hmm. That's weird, (laughs) but I'm going to keep doing it. Anyway, I just wanted to say that I am in love with your podcast and the way y'all tell stories. There's an amazing mixture of getting to the point while still having a good amount of tangent time. Well, there's that. (laughs) Busted that bubble this episode, didn't we? Mm, Sorry. (laughs) It seriously feels like I'm listening to friends just chat about everything spooky. Anyways, I thought I'd share my story after listening to Sinister Sightings, episode 29. 
Stacy's paranormal story caught my attention due to us both being from North Carolina and the occurrence tied to Fort Macon. I live in the eastern part of North Carolina, and due to this, I've been to the Atlantic Beach many a time. Due to my father and brother being history buffs and their natural ability to burn within minutes of being on the beach, we've been to Fort Macon countless times. Let's just say that no matter how gorgeous the area is, it can seriously be spooky. Now, some background of the fort. Stacy mentioned that there was a battle there, which only had one death occurred. But many years later, in 1867 through 1876, the fort was used as a federal prison. During this time, I can only assume living conditions were rough, but I don't have all the information to go into detail. Basically, even though there was one death in the battle, there could have been many more during this time as a prison. The fort has medieval vibes and has the luxury, quote-unquote, amenities of a medieval style of living areas. This includes the living quarters and, worst of all, the rooms underneath the top of the fort. These rooms felt like the dungeons, especially with the brick walls, rough floors, and iron bars on the windows. Don't get me wrong, it was cool to see these areas, but they were dark and creepy even during midday. I never had an experience until one time I went with a few cousins to visit the fort. The trip was around 2009-2010, so of course, we had our digital cameras out snapping pictures of whatever. Everything was normal until we went into a room that was empty besides us and a few tourists. It had rained recently and we were right next to the water, so the floors near the end of the room were flooded, limiting how far we could go in. While in there, my cousin decided to snap a picture of the portion of the room we couldn't walk into. She took those few and we went about our day having a great time at Fort Macon. It wasn't until the next day that we got a call from my aunt asking if any of us took pictures in that room, which we didn't. She went on to tell us that the picture that my cousin had taken had a man's floating head, where a head should be, in the part of the room that was flooded badly. The next time we saw them, we were able to see the pictures, and man, were they freaky. The man's head, from what I remember, was misty and white, but you can make out a face. Was it a man killed in battle there, or a prisoner? That's something we'll never know, but it makes me wonder how many spirits wander that fort. This experience truly hooked me on the paranormal, and I have loved it since. I just wanted to send this in, since I rarely hear a story from North Carolina, even with all the ghost stories it has. I may even send in some more stories about my grandmother who visited me after she passed via a dream and the paranormal stories from her time in hospice. Maybe even stories of my other cousin's old family home that was haunted by many spirits and my time in Savannah, Georgia, doing a night tour in the haunted Andrew Lowe house. We saw the shadow of a man in the reflection of a mirror and a picture of a porcelain doll smiling that was not supposed to do that. Another reason I'm freaked out by them. Sorry for the long story. Keep on with your amazing podcast. I can't wait for, yet dread, the day I finally catch up, Emily. Dang. Dropping some knowledge on us. Right? I like it. I mean, I feel like we could have gotten through college so much easier with her. (laughs) Right? I like going to forts, too. We have some in Mobile, Alabama, which is close to us, and I used to love going there. You know what I like going to is, like, the old battleships. Mm-hmm. Also in Mobile. 
Yes. I want to hear all of those stories. I mean, that uh, freaking cliffhanger with the teaser of stories. Mm-hmm. And I hate porcelain dolls, too. Mm-mm. Don't want anything to do with them. I used to always want one, though. Because they were like... She-she? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't now. Keep that shit at home. <laughs> Well, send in all those stories. Y'all keep these coming. These were so freaking good. These spurred some good conversation this week. Also, send in your intros if you have them. Yeah, so that um, I won't yell at y'all again next week. She came in hot. I did. Y'all got a lot of fucks this week. Y'all got a lot of soapboxes this week. So, um, sorry, but not really. <laughs> like, only kind of sorry. Hey, but if you don't know how to send in your stories... Send them in to us, aparanormalchicks at gmail.com, or go to the website, www.aparanormalchicks.com, and you can send them in there. You can also, you know, peruse around, check out episode notes, click on the merch store, click on Patreon, you know, whatever you want to do. Peruse, if you will. Also, remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.